do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 399 as we inch towards the big four o o o o. That's a lot of O's. And I have a cold. So I apologize for the gruffiness, the depth, the graveliness of my voice, but um, I don't think it's going to be a bad cold. So I think it's on its way out. You've had it for a few days. I blame Cam- I blame Cameron. Yes. Skyler had it too. So before I introduce the show, what we're talking about, why don't you talk about what we just woke up to in the news this morning? Okay. So it kind of, what we heard about this morning in Vegas um, is... Uh, I guess somehow roundabout connected to what we were going to talk about today um, because we're talking about continuing to discuss civility and braving the wilderness and how we can be better to each other. And then, you know, you wake up and you hear news like this and um, it's a little overwhelming because you're, you know, I always kind of lose my bearings. I get a little dizzy. Like I, you know, part of me wants to like not feel what's happening. Like I, I just want to keep going and not feel what's happening, but I, I don't have that luxury. I have to, it, it overwhelms me. And so what do I do when I feel overwhelmed by things that are happening in the world, like in Vegas? Um, I search for other ways, you know, what are the other things that we can do? Um, and two things that I wanted to read. One of them is actually from Brene Brown's book, um, Braving the Wilderness. And, you know, it's, it's got a lot to do with pain because anybody who is willing to shoot at people and take people's lives is in pain. You know, we can put a bunch of labels on it and say, oh, you know, maybe that person was, you know, not mentally well, obviously, maybe that person, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the news today and what people, how people are going to spin this, but that person is obviously in pain. So here's a, here's a quote for you. Um, courage is forged in pain, but not in all pain. Pain that is denied or ignored becomes fear or hate. Anger that is never transformed becomes resentment and bitterness. And the reason why that's an important quote for all of us to understand is that when we have a a pain in our lives, if we don't discuss it, if we don't seek help, if we don't transform it into something more meaningful, something that we learn from, something that helps us evolve, it becomes fear and hate and anger and resentment. And that's what turns into violence. And we can, you know, give a million different examples in the world where this has shown up, where someone has not they're, they're in so much pain that they take it out on the world. You know, they, they, they can't feel their own pain. So they throw their pain on everybody else. Um, but one hopeful thing that I read this morning that, um, was in, you know, I've told you guys before that I read uh, Mark Nepo's book every morning. Um, and it is, uh, you know, basically every day there's just a different quote and something to, focus on and meditate on. And today, October 2nd, the quote is this, cries are absorbed into silence as the sun always rises, just when the night seems like it will never end. As the sky holds everything flying and everything falling, there is something indestructible at the center of each of us, though the pain of being transformed and rearranged while still alive can feel unbearable. So what I took from that was Inside of each of us, there is something indestructible, and we always have a choice. 
Sorry. And we always have the ability to choose differently. And as I heard, I was listening to a way old podcast yesterday with Oprah and Nate Berkus, and they were talking about how Nate Berkus was involved, uh, was was there when the tsunami hit in Sri Lanka so long ago, 2004. And what he was saying was that it, that experience, so such a horrible traumatic experience that the world has been feeling so many traumatic experiences right now, that it woke him up to his life, obviously, but it reminded him to turn up his life when he got home, turn up the volume on his life, which reminded me of Love Louder. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get to be just passive individuals in this society anymore, if that's anything that I hope everybody understands that. And I don't mean that in a scary or, um, you know, defensive or pushy way, but we don't just get to sit and be quiet about things. We have to speak up. We have to love louder. We have to be willing to be more kind. Um, we have to be willing to to not choose violence. We have to be willing to look at other alternatives and speak up for them. And that's what Braving the Wilderness is about because, yes, you're going to disappoint people. There are going to be some people who are annoyed, who think your viewpoint is based in something negative, who push back on you. But this is where we are. And and love wins. It always does. I, I believe it. I have not changed my mind about this. Um, it's just we have to amplify it. You know, mm. it's time to instead of just read books about it or watch a movie about it, we need to live it in our everyday life. And this is possible. I know it's possible. You guys know it's possible. We see it all around us. There's just as many loving things going on. It's just we're so overwhelmed by these news stories, these tragedies, that it can feel really, we can feel really weighted down. Mm. But we always have a choice. When we get this news, when something like this happens, are we going to use the pain to turn it into courage or are we going to use the pain and turn it into blame and resentment? Those are your choices today. Well, so. and I'll, um, when you were talking, I just kept thinking of uh, my Tony Robbins quote, either pain, either you use it, which means you're going to grow and learn from it, or it's going to use it you. It will use you. So, well, thank you for that, sweetie. Yeah. Um, and for all of our listeners or friends or people we don't even know, but we know we're connected to you who are in Vegas or who were... Um, who live there or around there or to anybody who is loving, in Vegas. Yeah, who love people who are there. We love you and we've got you. And I know that you are in pain and um, and we just, we're, we're holding you. So. so aside for the first six minutes of this podcast where we talked about that, we're going to have a normally scheduled podcast. Uh-huh. And because if you want to, you know, learn more about what's going on in the news, you don't necessarily turn into ZPR and get a play-by-play. So we're going to have a normal podcast. Mm-hmm. So um, so like I said, this is podcast number 399. And uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So um, it's our 399th show, sweetheart. Uh-huh. And I tried to Google something silly about the number 399. Uh-huh. And the only thing I can come up with is there is an onthisday.com website. Uh-huh. And it's it's not really about the day. It's about the year 399. I don't even know what the year 399 means. 399 AD. We're 2017 AD. Oh, God. Like literally the year of 399. Right, 399. Okay. And um, not, not a whole lot of important things happen 
from a history perspective at uh, 399. Maybe they did happen, we just don't have a record of them. That could be, but um, the only thing I can find is that there was a Byzantine empress that was born in 399 AD. <laughs> wow. her, her name was Pulcheria. Well, happy birthday, Pulcheria. And uh, she died in 453. So she had 54 long years, and she was the regent of the Byzantine Empire during the minority of her brother Theodosius, an empress by marriage to Marcion. That's important. Well, I have a feeling a lot more things happen that no, year. No, just that. Um, but uh, that's Just the nice. Empress Pulcheria. Well, she was my favorite empress. She's your favorite? Just reminds me of being a little kid in history class and learning about... There's certain parts of social studies or history that was pretty uh, cool, but... Um, oh, it's interesting. I'm reading a little bit about her. Pulcheria had, had significant, though, changing political power during her brother's reign. When Theodosius died... On the 26th of July, Polkir provided a successor by marrying Marcion while simultaneously not violating her vow of virginity. Interesting, but you went really fast over what did she do before that? She had significant, though changing, political power right. during her brother's reign. Right, it's the next part. That when you Theodosius would... died uh -huh. on the 26th of July, Polkir provided a successor by successor. marrying Got it. Marcion while simultaneously not violating her vow of virginity. All right. How do you have a child without... There's no children involved, sweetie. Oh, that I That was her just... brother. Okay. Okay. No, no kids. All right. I don't understand, but that's good. This is important This stuff. is important. All right. So how so, are we doing? So we're doing great. <laughs> okay. Um, so we went to see Brene Brown last week uh -huh. and thought she was quite amazing. And uh, we're going to kind of give you some highlights, both of her book. Kathy read a quote from her book called Braving the Wilderness. Uh-huh. And I'm actually going to play a quote eventually. I was listening to uh, a Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was interviewing Cory Booker, and I think it kind of is related to what we're going to talk about today. So, sweetie, why don't you jump in? Okay, so we talked a little bit about this book last week. Um, you know, we just kind of talked about the basics, um, uh, you know, that the book is about uh, the quest for true belonging, the courage to stand alone, what true belonging means, which just to, as a recap, true belonging means belonging to yourself. It's not about, you know, there's a difference, there's fitting in, which is like trying to be a part of a group and maybe changing for that group or altering your viewpoint so you can fit in. And then there's belonging, which is feeling like you can be yourself um, within a group. Um, but then true belonging, is, true belonging is when you recognize you may not even belong to a group. And that your true belonging is being essential and true to who you are. And um, that means, and, and, you know, saying you don't belong to a group, what that means is you belong to yourself. So, like, it's not about making sure that you polarize yourself and you choose this or that or you label yourself this or that. It's about what feels right to me. And, and the truth is, is right now that's what we need. Because this polarization thing isn't working. Right. This idea of, um, you know, I'm going to be on this side. I'm this political view. I'm that political view. I'm, you know, I'm going to call people this name and they're going to call me this name. It's getting ridiculous. And what we're doing is we're, the truth has been stretched. The truth doesn't even really, <clears throat> well, it does exist, but people aren't honoring it anymore. And we're losing track of each other. And the irony or the interesting thing is 
that that uh, Brene tracked the research of this polarization and our and the statistic around loneliness, mm-hmm. and they are correlating, which means that the more pol- polarized we get, the more lonely we're becoming. So what we're looking for in terms of belonging is not even working. And these, and I believe she said, the more lonely we get, our life expectancy drops significantly. You, loneliness. Is will, a greater predictor of whether or not somebody is going to die earlier than it than smoking start, a pack of cigarettes a right, day, exactly obesity. Yeah, you know that's crazy. That's crazy. All these other things that we focus all of our attention on and science right. on, and these and we're so, dying. So I guess what this means is if you really if you enjoy living your life and being a healthy person and wanting to see your kids and grandkids and all that stuff happen, and you you're better off. Smoking a pack of cigarettes today while simultaneously working on your loneliness <laughs> than being lonely and not smoking a pack of cigarettes well, a day. And the people who like just quit yesterday are like, oh, Todd just gave me a reason that yeah, I can smoke ahead. again too. Yeah. Smoke up, Johnny. No, and there's no smoking up, Johnny. Still quit because that's not good for your health but either. But that's a nutty statistic. It is. And that, that's the thing is that the clear, but the clarifying or the clarity that we need to have is that to not be lonely does not mean to adhere yourself to a group right. or to try and fit in with people that you don't fit in with. It's to belong to yourself because as Maya Angelou said in the quote in Brene's book, you know, you belong everywhere. Then if you belong to yourself, if you are honoring what you know, then you don't, then you, the connection that you do have with people is truth mm. and it feels like connection. And that's what it means to go out in the wilderness. Like, let me piece this all together for you, for you. Most of you understand what I'm saying, but braving the wilderness means that you are focusing on true belonging and you are focusing on what is meaningful to you. And that can feel really uncomfortable and initially scary mm-hmm. and initially like there won't be anyone there for you, that when you're just belonging to yourself, that there is no group. And what she's saying about braving the wilderness is once you walk out there in that wilderness by yourself with the true belonging, there's people everywhere. Right. But it's the willingness to say, you know, it's these polarizing ideas of you're either with me or you're against me. You're either with us or you're against us. This doesn't, this framework does not leave us any room to have a true belonging opinion. And out of fear or out of fitting in, we choose one or the other. And what we really have to start doing is saying, that framework does not fit the way I feel. I believe that this is true. And I simultaneously believe that this is true. So with that said, that's kind of just, you know, bringing you up to speed of what we talked about last week. The three things I want to talk about this week are civility, dehumanization, and then brain trust. So here's the thing. Uh, I'll Do you want to start with brain trust? Do you have yours uh, written sure. down? I got mine ready to go. So one of the things that Brene started her, uh, you know, her speaking engagement with was the people that inspire her to be who she is and do what she does, mm-hmm. okay? Um, she basically put up a bunch of pictures of people that inspire her in certain ways when she gets afraid, when she starts to connect to that true belonging and realize that there may not be a group that she necessarily belongs to, who are the people who inspire her to keep going? Yeah. And you know, some of the people that she listed were was this guy from Pixar, um, Bell Hooks, uh, Oprah, um, 
J.K. Rowling, a bunch of people, she uh, Shonda Rhimes, people she hasn't even met. Right. You know, they're just, it's not about that you have to know them. It's that their energy and what they've done inspires you to connect to your own true belonging. Right. So I asked Todd last night to come up with some people that were in his brain trust. Right. So who are they, Toddy? Do you want me to give you all four? Well, just you start with number one. Um, well, I might. I, I started asking you questions on like, uh, oh, is it people we know or people we don't know? And you're like, whatever. Right. So I'll start with the most important one. Okay. It's my sweetie. Oh, that's so nice. And that doesn't mean that you have to pick me because uh, I'm guessing you didn't work on myself and our relationship and you're kind of the vehicle uh, among uh, many other things mm. to that. So. Let's have each other in our brain trust because well, same thing. I just thing. put you in mine. I know. Well, then you're in mine too. Okay. I knew you were going to do something like that. Well, it makes sense. I'm not even trying to make you feel better. Yeah. We are each other's, when I'm making decisions, what am I thinking about and who am I thinking about? You. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that's my first one. All right. My second one is I pick two people that I know and two people that I don't know. Oh, cool. Um, my other one is I, um, for the last four or five years, I have been working with a counselor on the phone once a month just to work on my own stuff. His name is Tom Fuller. Sometimes he listens to podcasts, sometimes he doesn't. But anyways, uh, he's my coach. He's my therapist. He's my cheerleader. He's my everything. And not my everything, but he is somebody that I can go to. And it's usually like, you know, some of it's like, oh, I want to develop um, spiritually, professionally, emotionally. And some of it's like, I'm having a hard time with this aspect of my life or my family. So mm -hmm. that's my second guy. And I only say that one, because it's the truth Two because uh, a lot of people have this idea, like the only time to hire a professional coach or therapist or counselor is when you're in crisis. And I cannot say this enough times. The time to work on yourself is when times are good. When people hear that I have a therapist, they're like, but why do you need a therapist? You seem so healthy. And my answer is, Exactly. Well, and now the question is, why is this person like, I know everything he does for you, but brain trust wise, brain trust is like he inspires you. You somehow pull something from him to do something better in your life. Exactly. So it's not, it's him helping you, not him as a person, or it's him as a person plus him helping you. Both. He's a leader of men. He is a, um, he is a mentor of mine. He does some crazy things that I hope to do someday, like silent retreats for a week. And mm -hmm. he's big into Buddhism and he teaches me these things that I don't know a whole lot about. Okay, great. So that's my buddy, Tom Fuller. Um, my other two, I'll go quick, quickly, uh, Simon Sinek. Actually, it's Simon Sinek. Mm -hmm. I've been watching so many YouTube clips of this guy, and he's more in the professional business and even military setting. But uh, he had a TED talk that went viral. Start, I think it was called "Starts with Why," and um, I love his message. And it so easily translates to what we talk about on the podcast. And um, he just wrote a book uh, called "Leaders Eat Last," and it's wonderful. So that's Simon Sinek, and my last one, and and probably the one that. I have probably invested more time in learning more about is Tony Robbins. And I think that kind of, that guy goes without saying of how he is in my brain trust because everything he, not everything, he does so many things that inspire me, make me want to be a better human being, teaches me how to coach uh, through books and conferences that I've seen him at and YouTube clips. And I got my professional life coaching certification through Tony. So anyways, that's those are my four. He kind of, you know, he's one of those people I'm thinking about in your head whenever you hear about something, I'm, I'm speaking about you, being impossible or, you, you know, someone can't look at it a certain way. You always bring him up 
either something he's taught or something he's said as an example of why something will work. Mm -hmm. And so that is an example that is, you know, all of those are perfect examples of brain trust. Like what inspires you to, to do what you do. So, and before you go into yours, just one last thing is this is an evolving group. Oh yeah. Tony has been in on my brain trust since I went to the conference three or four years ago. Simon just showed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've been in my life for a long time Mm -hmm. and Tom just kind of showed up. So people flow in and out. Right. It's not supposed to be a stagnant list. Not at all. And that's the thing is if we had to make a real list of everybody in our brain trust, it'd be like, I'd have 30 people or 50 people because there's no way to acknowledge everybody. But to Todd's point, um, there are people that maybe right now in the stage of life I'm in, what's going on in the world, um, et cetera, this is, um, these are the people that inspire me. So um, I have I have a bunch, but I'm going to go quickly through them. Uh, so the first one will not be any surprise to everybody is Oprah, um, just because of who she is as a woman, what she's done, what she's willing to do, and how she's you know, brought every kind of spirituality and emotional intelligence and awareness mainstream. He's in the <laughs> I think she's in a lot of brain trusts. Um, and then our conference speaker, Cheryl Strayed, uh, she is in my brain trust as far as writing and, and obviously just being who she is. But whenever I'm writing something, it's her energy that I'm feeling. Um, that is the person that I don't, I'm not saying I try to write like her, but there's something about the way that Cheryl writes that resonates so strongly with me. So if I read something and I feel that, then that's how I know I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's my writing. Cheryl Strait is my my writing uh, brain trust. And then there's one that this one is kind of an interesting one because it's a bunch. It's a list of female comedians, and I'll start with Ellen DeGeneres and say that a comedian who is kind. And is also outspoken and who also risked her entire life and career to be who she is and to have true belonging. Um, she's been on my vision board forever. This is a woman who I admire in so many ways. So whenever I'm afraid to say something I, I feel, I think, <laughs> look at what Ellen did. You know, if right. she can do that and and remain the kind of person she is. Talk about someone turning their pain into courage. Yeah. You know, she didn't turn it into anger and resentment. She turned it into courage. And then I would put together, um, you know, this is the one that's always surprising to people, Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman, um, these these comedians, these female stand-up comedians who are a little more raw, maybe not necessarily the way I express myself in the world, but they're not afraid. Mm-hmm. And I use their example and their bravery as, peop- as to say, oh, I'm worried about this. Look at what Sarah and Amy are doing right. and saying. So they are in my brain trust as being braver and bolder. And then um, just in the last year, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda has, mm. is on my list. Um, what he's done as far as writing about history and bringing his gifts and bringing all of his talent together. I've listened to all these interviews with him and his history. When you see what he was interested in as far as history and rap and um, theater, and he brought all these things together to become probably the – the greatest legend already on Broadway. And I'm saying that when he's like younger than me. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lin-Manuel and right now his ability and willingness to politically speak out has been really interesting to me because here's this guy who very much like Ellen, really one of the nicest guys ever um, who is willing to say, listen enough. And there's something about that that I really admire because he, you know, 
And then um, Mary Pfeiffer, I've talked about her a lot. She is somebody that I emulate as far as a career. Uh, she is someone who writes and stays current with what's going on with women and girls and the environment and life inspiration. And she has also maintained her family and kept a quiet life and has lived a life like I want to live. Yeah, there's a reason you probably never heard of her. <laughs> yes. Yet, Although she has some famous books. She does and is considered, you know, the person. She wrote Reviving Ophelia. So she is considered like, you know, the person to go to or talk to or at least uh, as, as a resource regarding girls and adolescents mm -hmm. and has also written about the environment and Buddhism and, um, you know, her own journey through depression. And she is just... It's far, like I said, as far as career, yeah. this is a woman that I'm like, this makes sense to me. Cause I, I had a hard time finding, you know, those kind of people. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh. How many I, you got? I just have one more. Oh. Like I said, I have like, I have a oh, hundred. I, I thought we were keeping it down to four. That's well, why. I know, but I, this morning things changed. Got it. Do you know what I mean? Who did, this morning when I heard the news, who are the people I pull from? Mm -hmm. And these are all the people I pull from. Got they it. were like, bam, 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 bam. This right. is my brain trust. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh is um, a, as you guys know, a Buddhist, or a, a monk, and is a teacher of mindfulness and meditation. And he has also lived the kind of life that he turned his pain into courage. And uh, when I think about what's possible as far as being evolved and going inside and offering yourself to the world, he's the one, like he's the kind of guy that walks out onto a stage and everybody gets quiet and he shifts the energy of an entire room. Um, it's pretty huge thing to try and do yourself, but that that's possible. Yeah. You know, and then I will stop there, but. Lady Gaga was next, but I'll Go stop. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Well, I just, she's just, you know, same kind of thing with. Why like, is Lady Gaga in your brain trust? The same reason as Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer and Ellen DeGeneres are. She speaks out. She's herself. She talks about what she needs to talk about. These people, again, for when you guys are thinking about this, it's not so much about Todd and mine, but we're trying to give examples of why, how do you pull from these people? Well, we're trying to give you guys an idea of, because sometimes we have it, we don't even know who they are. Yeah. Like, come up with your own and write them down or put them in a document or- Make a vision board. Make a vision board of it or um, take some pictures and put them up on your wall, these people, so they can look at you. Because one of the things that I believe in is proximity. And if something's not right in front of you, consistently, you forget about them. So a vision board is an idea or it doesn't even have to be a vision board. You can print some pictures out and put them on your bathroom mirror and talk to these people and let them talk back to you. Like it doesn't that's matter. It. That's so great, Todd, because that's what I do. And that's exactly what, talk to these people. When I say something like, oh no, I have to disappoint someone, I hear Oprah say to me, get used to it. Mm -hmm. It happens. Be kind. And then I hear Ellen, be kind, mm -hmm. but you know, speak for yourself. And what would uh, Sarah Silverman say, sweetie? She'd say, you're worried about that. Do something worthwhile for right. a chance. You know, like, and these are all good voices. These are not What would Thich not say? Breathe. Yeah. You are seeing this as a problem when it was never a problem to begin with. You know, it was, this isn't a problem. You've created it as a problem in your head, you know, and that's, and. It's your cabinet. It, these are the people I talk to and you don't, I like Todd's examples of a few people he knows, um, because that helps too, because it's nice to have people, you know, yeah. that you can, because that's, I mean, I could go through another list of 10 of people I know, um, that help me in, in real time, but 
that's the thing is it's not that you have to limit it to five or seven or eight, have 30 people on the board. Well, and you're probably going to not like what I'm about to say, but I'm willing to bet that some people are listening are like, Todd and Kathy, you're part of my brain trust. Oh. And I know that you're like, we don't want to elevate ourselves, but we're probably, if there, there's a million podcasts, there's a million different things that people can do. So if we're in it, we're honored. And um, we just, uh, we're just big fans of doing this podcast. And if we can somehow be um, inspirational, influential, insert your own word, we're just very honored if we happen to be in that list. Sweetie, sweetie's like, why did you say that? Yeah, I mean, I that might be. But. Honestly, because selfishly, I'm like, well, actually, we can be in your life personally by going to Team Zen. <laughs> so, so he's using some, it as a marketing Some of it is a reason. selfish marketing reason. <laughs> so um, for the sake of transition. Sure, sure, go ahead. Team Zen real quick, just in case somebody actually sure. is interested in that. Sure. Uh, you want me to explain? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> so Team Zen is this uh, virtual community that we have. And basically we do um, every other week, we do a podcast, a live podcast. And so it's through this Zoom technology. All you have to do is click a link and we all show up. Uh, people ask questions. We answer questions. We support the people in the community, support each other. It's really lovely. We also have a Facebook page where people can ask questions. Um, and then we answer online. We also, you know, everybody else in the community answers. And we're hoping it's an opportunity for everybody within the community, even if they don't live by each other, to have other parents to connect with who are interested in the things that we talk about on this show. We also have within Team Zen, you get discounts. Like, for example, for the conference, we have a discount for Team Zen members. Um, you know, a little bit of VIP treatment at the um, conference. That and kind sometimes of thing. we surprise people by saying, we're going to send you a shirt. Tell us what yeah. size you wear. It's our team. Or even uh, like we have some leftover Shefali books. Yeah. And <clears throat> like one lady, I'm going to send a Shefali book because she says she needs to read it. She hasn't read oh, it. Oh, good. And we didn't have the right shirt size for her. Okay. So we're going to send her the conscious parent. So nice. we just kind of like to do some surprise stuff because we really appreciate having this community. So zenparentingradio.com, uh, go to Go Zen in the corner and you'll see that it says Actually, Team Zen. up in the corner it says Get Zen. I sweetie. always say Go Zen. Why, I, we might Maybe as well change it to Go Zen. Go Zen. <laughs> um, and real quick, our um, partner uh, for this week is canvaspeople.com. What is Canvas People? They're an easy-to-use photo-to-canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. Um, what I like about it is because back in the old days, you used to take pictures, sweetie, and then we like go to Walgreens and print them off. And then we would have to go to, what's that, Michael's, where you'd frame pictures. Oh, yeah. And then we'd yeah. have to like get the wire. Like this is yes. easy. It's, it was kind of And it's of professionally, a... beautifully done. So Canvas, so here's the deal. Uh, they have a deal for Zen listeners. And if you get the 11 by 14 Canvas and type in the coupon code Zen, Z-E-N, it'll go from 69.99 down to zero. So go to canvaspeople.com, get your, oh, and they also do like mugs and pillows and things like that. So they got a lot of cool stuff. So go to canvaspeople.com, click in Zen for your um, free 11 by 14 Canvas. So. All right. So um, let's talk about civility and then dehumanization. Um, and I want to, a humanization, I put a D in there. Um, I want to just touch on these things so we can understand how they affect our lives and how we can make different choices when it comes to these things. 
Um, starting with civility, you know, what does that mean? What does it mean to be civil? Um, I think you guys know what the definition is, and you probably have that knowledge and you know why it's important. But let's talk about the practice of civility. What does that look like? Um, to be civil means to be able to state your point or have a perspective or practice true belonging while simultaneously honoring that other people also have an opinion. And this is something that we have decided that when someone else has an opinion that we then call them a name and isolate them to another side and just uh, you know be cruel before we even know anything about that person. And the thing that's interesting about civility in practice, not just in definition, is the more that you're willing to stay curious about someone who thinks differently, the more you recognize that, yes, they may have a different viewpoint about how to go about something, if it be politically or if it be on the school board or if it be with parenting, but that you all want the same outcome. I have yet to meet somebody who says, yes, I really want to harm the world in my family. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a – yes, there are – you know, as seen this morning, there are some people who make – horrible choices. Um, but that is, that is not a norm. That is yes. 0.001% of the population. Correct. And the vast, double vast majority of people you meet want good things for themselves, the world. And, um, we have to be willing to listen though. We have to be willing to not be so offended, um, by a different opinion. We have to be willing to take a deep breath and not react to someone else's opinion instead to respond with either a question of, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Or, you know, one of the examples that uh, Brene brought up that I thought was was really good, a good example that's very timely. And it might be in the book too. I can't remember. But she talks about how, um, you know, she had a girlfriend, a close girlfriend who said, you know, I'm really against uh, transgender people being able to use a bathroom of choice. They need to use the bathroom of their biologically assigned gender. And, you know, Brene took a deep breath because obviously that's not exactly how she believes. But, you know, this is her good friend. So she said, now explain to me why you think that. And her friend said, the studies, all the studies. And so Brene, again, calmly said, tell me about these studies. I'm interested. Especially since Brene does this for a living. Like she knows how to interpret studies and all (laughs) that. Like not all of us have a Brene Brown as a good friend. But anyways, she, because this is her world, she's like, show them to me because as a a scientist or whatever Brene is, a social scientist, she's interested in in understanding the numbers. Right. Researcher. Um, And she, and and again, you guys have to pick up on my tone here. She wasn't like, show them to me. She was like, interesting, show them to me. And the woman, um, it it won't surprise you, she couldn't really find them. She had just heard that they were out there. So it gave Brene an opportunity to say, you know what, I actually know some studies um, and have some studies about why it isn't an issue why somebody who uh, identifies as tr- who is transgender should be able to use the bathroom of their gender, you know, yeah. of of their identified gender. Yeah. And she showed her these studies and the woman was like, oh my gosh. You know, and again, do, you guys have to hear that you may say, no, that would never happen. It could if you were keeping your voice calm, your body calm, and your curiosity available. If you're saying, no, 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 let me show you, that person is going to close down so fast. So it's not about words here. It's about tone and calm and curiosity. And she started with understanding. Understanding. Help me understand how you arrived at this opinion. She gave her the chance, the opportunity to defend her position. She realized that her position was not really... um, 
the foundation of it was not based upon, you know, research. It was Facts, more, right. right. So anyways. It was more on things she had heard. Yeah. And sometimes what we do, and you guys can probably understand this, is we hear so many things that all of a sudden we think we know. So if we hear enough times that there's research that this is an issue, all of a sudden we're like, well, I heard there's research and all of a sudden that equals I know what I'm talking about. And we all have to be willing to not know what we're talking about occasionally. Right. You know, that's the other thing that came, it, let me finish this story and tell you that her friend then looked at <laughs> the statistics of what actually happens in bathrooms and the people that are most dangerous, dangerous are white straight men. Yeah. And now that doesn't mean all white straight men are bad, but the statistics, the research actually shows the things that happen are not people who are transgender. So we have false information. Um, We are being given some information based in fear and difference, saying you're different than me, I don't understand you, therefore you're dangerous. When really, when you really look at the research, this is not what's happening. And so it opened her friend's eyes. Now she didn't say, and now my friend thinks just like me and now we're closer. She didn't say that. She just said it offered an opportunity for us to have a conversation. And Brene being willing to not say, oh, you think that? I better think. I mean, she would never do that. But, you know, being willing to not say, oh, I'm going to think like you, but say, I'm going to stay in my true belonging and listen to you, but also offer you what I know. These are... This is where we are right now. This is essential. You know, it's like we talked about on the you know show last week about you know the idea of um, f- supporting our police force and and loving our cops and making sure that our cops are supported and taken care of, and at the same time understanding what the movement of Black Lives Matter means, which I'll get more into when we start talking about dehumanization, is that both can live together. Yeah. You don't it's not one or the other. It's not you're with me or against me. It's that there's value and understanding in both. And the more that both sides and us as a, a society can understand that, a lot of the problems we're dealing with won't even be problems anymore. The problems lie in the inability to see the in between. Right. So I mean, you know, as far as civility, it's not just about going out in the world and understanding these big picture ideas. It's about in your own home, your civility with your spouse. Do do you listen to your spouse's perspective, you know? Or do we snap judge? Do we snap judge? You know, I did a a talk last week with a group of women and, you know, one of the conversations that came up are the... talk with a lot of groups of women and there's a lot of themes, you know, where I'm I'm pretty sure certain questions are going to be asked because they always are. Yeah. And one of them that is very common or a comment that is always made about, is about all the things that the mom does, that the, you know, dad, and I'm talking about a, you know, a, a home that is a mom and a dad, um, that the dad doesn't notice or doesn't see and how the mom feels so overwhelmed and, you know, and often the first thing I say is have you guys made lists of the things you do, if not written down, just to have a conversation so he can hear what you're doing, but then you can simultaneously hear what he's doing. And there's often a lot of pushback about that. Like, no, no, no. I just want you to acknowledge that I do a lot. Mm-hmm. And I obviously I'm a mom. I know exactly what they're saying and yeah. they do. And I'm not taking away from that point. But my true belonging is to understand that the more you understand them, the more they'll understand you. Yeah. And that you may be doing more. That may end up being the case, but it's really not a competition in yeah. the first place. Is that the more 
you understand each other's perspective, the more you acknowledge each other's perspective, you know, like the more you say thank you and they say thank you. And there's that that shared um, respect. Mm -hmm. Same thing with our kids. Civility. You know, when they do something wrong, are you ready to just scream at them? Yeah, it's not the uh, what, it's the how. Right. How are you doing it? Like to bring back Brene's conversation is she listened with empathy and active listening without, Mm -hmm. with curiosity. Same thing with your kids. You know, why didn't you clean your room instead of, you know, and how are you going to ask that question? Like, were you tired? Did you have a headache? Did you just not think about it? Did you really want to watch that show? Right. Um, get curious, because curiosity is, I think, is an underrated word when it comes to human interactions. It is. And the thing is, is you know, it's interesting that you bring up that point, because this morning, um, Skylar brought her bowl, put the milk away, and put the cereal away, and she brought her bowl to the sink. And why that made me laugh and smile to myself, she has, she we have had to have this discussion over and over and over again. And today, and actually this weekend too, on Saturday, she's demonstrated the learning. Yeah. But there, it took some time. Well, and here's the thing. Her room has been kind of a disaster for a little while. And I had some gentle reminders to her over the last week. And then, you know, parents, we just get to the point where we're kind of fed up with it. And we're like, all right, this has got to change. Because you like can't even walk. Like there's just clothes on the floor. And I, she... I was taking JC to, something happened. I was taking JC to the cross or something. I said, listen, here's the deal. Um, your room is still pretty bad and we're not going to watch a screen until you, because she was watching something. Right, right. I said, we're not going to do any screen technology until after you clean your room. And she got mad. Um, she didn't like start yelling, but she's like, she was sad. She was just frustrated. Yeah. Um, so basically she had to turn the screen off. She didn't have to clean her room. I said, you don't have to clean your room, but you're not going to do any screen technology until then. And then, uh, so she stayed off the screen for yeah. a day and a half. Yeah. And then when she want, really wanted to watch something, she yesterday back. she went back and cleaned her room. Right. And so it's funny. As long as you kind of do it, I don't know, get creative on how you, how you try to get your needs met, you know, because there's a balance to everything, you know. And it's not really getting our needs met. Like, we're well, not I, happier. I, I needed to get that room clean. Oh, you did? Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't need it done immediately, but the gentle reminders were not working, mm-hmm. and I had to kind of get creative. And now it's it- interesting, you know. And, and again, I know these two things can belong. Yeah. Meaning that I'm I live in the paradox, but you know, you often teach people on this show that they shouldn't bother their kids about cleaning their room. I know, but there's a balance because let's say you know let's let's make an extreme example. She brought a ham sandwich up there from right. two weeks ago. Correct. You wouldn't like that. No, no, no. Yeah, that, I agree with so you. So there are there's a balance between those two. I think. There's I, a few ham sandwiches in there, <laughs> metaphorically. I used to go crazy when their room wasn't clean, and now I'm just so much more low-key about it because, to your point, mm-hmm. what I say, I even talk to parents' groups and men's groups about this. Like, I show them a picture of my daughter's dirty room, which I took, and then I show a picture of the Milky Way galaxy. Like, right. this 10-foot by 10-foot space is the only place that they can claim that is theirs. So why is it so important for you, mom or dad, to have a completely clean room all the time? Right. Like, just loosen the grip a little right. bit. So, And then the at balance. the same time, so that's, that's actually the example and the balance is, but there is a time when, because we all live in the house and there's a responsibility to not having a bunch of food in your room or yeah. not having a bunch of, you know, clothes that we just washed and then mm-hmm. they got thrown on the floor, there is a, a, 
a sense of respect for those pieces. Yes. And it's the balance of of understanding that um, without at the same time shaming, guilting, fear. You know, like this is a practice. You know, like I I don't really personally need her room clean for me, but there are pieces of her room that need to be thought about or else it affects everybody else. Sure. That's kind of the big picture. Right. So I want to read a few things from... Are you going to dehumanization? Not yet. Okay, not yet. Because I want to play a transition between civility and dehumanization. Okay. So civility. I just want to read this from um, Brene's book. Uh, civility is claiming and caring for one's identity, needs, and beliefs without degrading someone in the process. Civility is about disagreeing with disagreeing without disrespect, seeking common ground as a starting point for dialogue, listening past one's preconceptions and teaching others to do the same. Civility is the hard work of staying present, even with those whom we have deep-rooted and fierce disagreements. It is political in the sense that it is a necessary prerequisite for civic action, but it is political too in the sense that it is about negotiating interpersonal power such that everyone's voice is heard and nobody is ignored. So... That's like the best definition, obviously, is understanding how that how that definition in civility impacts your everyday life with your spouse, your children, your your extended family, your political beliefs, the your next door neighbor, the people on the school board. Are you being civil? And 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 then are they practicing civility with you? And who's gonna start? You know, that's always the question. Who's gonna start? And remembering that two things can be true at once. The last thing I will say about this is Carl Jung, who you guys know, because uh, we talk about him on the show all the time, and he studied the um, the shadow, and he also studied paradox. And basically, he reminds us that paradox is the most valuable spiritual possession, because without that, um, <laughs> without understanding that paradox is the way life is. If you don't understand that, then you think there is one answer. You think things are black and white. But when you know that paradox exists, and that's the realm we live in, that's the spirit. That's the spiritual realm we live in, that one person can be saying something and we can be saying something different, and that there's something in between that we can learn, that will keep us from going crazy. But we have to trust that paradox is a real thing. You, um, That's a perfect transition. Okay, to, go ahead. So I want to play, a, I think it's a good two minutes. So okay. settle in. All right. It's an interview between Tim Ferriss, who wrote the four-hour work week. He has a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show. And in this episode, he is interviewing Cory Booker. Okay. And I think it's a good segue between civ- uh, civility and dehumanization and what you just read regarding civility. So okay. here we go. But that you know, when you see the same thing coming, but this idea of empathy, and now in our society, and you and I sort of touched on this. I, I'm one of these people that gets kind of bothered that we've stopped listening to each other. Like I, I can't. I wish I could find this study, and I asked my team to help me find it. But I remember being on an airplane reading a study, and I thought it was USA Today about a public policy position in education, and they they said this is a democratic position, and immediately like 80 percent of Republicans were against it. They didn't even know it, and they flipped it around. Democrats were the same way. They said this is a Republican policy. 80 percent of Democrats were against it. It just shifted by just labeling it Republican or Democrat. And what I often find, and we're in a point in our society right now where we just have stopped listening to each other and stopped exp- and stopped being empathetic. Um, and instead are, are leading with that judgment. And, it, and, it, and and what the problem with that is, it it it, it disables us in, in our ability to come together 
to do the kind of things that need to move our society forward. And that's why I think now more than ever, and I say this in my speeches all the time, in America, we need a courageous empathy where we're willing to let go of our own ego and tune into another human being to really listen to them. I may not agree with that Black Lives Matter march. They may offend me, but we're all kind of wired the same way. So why are they out there yelling and screaming? Is it because they're bad and I'm judging them or am I taking time to really try to surrender my own position for a minute and listen to that uh, uh, person in the Midwest who is a serious Trump supporter and try to really understand where they're coming from? And close. So I just thought that that was a wonderful reminder, basically teaching the exact same thing we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. Uh, It's just nice to hear a different voice saying something similar with their own spin on it. Exactly. And I love that's a perfect segue because that is the that is isn't that so interesting. I so believe that that when someone says something is a Democratic viewpoint that all Republicans Republicans are going to say it's bad Mm -hmm. and vice versa. When you say something's a Republican viewpoint, Democrats will say it's bad and we're not even really listening to what they're saying. We're just already categorizing it and we've just lost this ability. So one of the things that I want to end with this. is dehumanization. So what does that mean? Um, you know, the our ability to make someone less with dehumanization, we have to understand that it's a process. You know, what does what does it mean? Um, it's the psychological process of demonizing an enemy, making them seem less than human and not worthy of humane treatment. So basically why this is important is because the way that we are biologically, emotionally, spiritually, um, neurobiologically created is to support each other and to help each other and have compassion for each other. That's how we're built. That's how we're wired, correct? So with this understanding, we can't or we have a, a... deep inability to hurt each other. We We don't hurt each other because we know we're in this together. But... If we take a group of people and we make them less than human and we make them seem as if they are not worthy of humane treatment, that they are different than us, that they are not like us, that they are not built like us, it is easier for us to harm them. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, dehumanizing always starts with language, images like, for example, in history, you guys know this in the Holocaust, um, the way that the Nazis described Jews and they actually um, talked about Jews a certain way in children's books to like... They planted the seed early. They planted the seed early. This happened in Rwanda um, in the genocide. They actually called uh, Tutsis, uh, am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh, Cockroaches and indigenous people were often referred to as savages. Um, Serbs called Bosnians aliens. Slave owners throughout history um, called slaves subhuman animals. Why do people do that? To dehumanize a population. Because it's the only way that that person <clears throat> can get their needs met. Because if they see them as human still, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do. Correct. You need to lower them to a subspecies in order to do whatever it is that you want to do. Exactly. Like it wouldn't work. It wouldn't any work. Any other way. It, so what we do is we'll call a certain population different from us, not as human as we are. We say that their religion is evil. We say that they are evil. We make them different. So then that causes, that co- that creates an ability for people to hurt them. Yeah. And this is why we, you know, and again, I'm going to go back to uh, Black Lives Matter. And when people say, no, all lives matter and people, and then it, this confusion. The thing is, is that for the majority of us, we haven't been dehumanized. Right. That we, especially if you were born white, 
um, male privilege or female privilege or whatever it may be, or you were born in a place where you were valued, you know, based on who you were, you weren't dehumanized. And the African American culture, the because of slavery in our country and things that were done and said about people who are African American, there was an effort to dehumanize historically. And even if you say no, it's not happening now, it doesn't matter. Historically, so, there was dehumanization. Well, and that's we can start getting into the collective unconscious, Correct. of our society. But we'll just talk about language that okay. was used, right? right? I mean, we can be really basic. Yeah dehumanization. So why is Black Lives Matter? What, why is it necessary? Because it's a rehumanization process. It's reminding people, just that language, Black Lives Matter, it's rehumanizing a group of people so they are experienced and seen differently. And this is what we have to understand, you guys. We can say, no, 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 it's not necessary. No, no. It is necessary because there is a history of this dehumanization. That we haven't fully matured through. Exactly. So can so with that information, can you understand then why that movement has the title it does? Mm-hmm. It's not about us and against other people. It's not about only us. It's about we have been dehumanized. So this is a rehumanization yeah. process. And that and it's something Brene writes about in her book. And it's something that is a good example. That's just one of many examples of how we turn against people because of the information that's given to us early on or the, you know, the language or the history that we grew up with. Yeah. And we can say it's it's bad and it shouldn't be that way. And I 100% agree. But then we have to understand to make the shift. These are the things that happen. And again, so you guys stay really clear about this and live in the paradox. That movement is not does not mean that police lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. Poli- blue lives matter. Police lives matter. They live simultaneous. They live parallel. They live next to each other. All these things can be true. Yeah. And this is the wilderness because there's a lot of people who say it's either us or them. It's either you're with us or you're against us. And we have to be willing to say this framework does not work and we can love and understand many different people. I want to give our listeners two different resources, okay. both previous podcasts that you and I have done. One is we did a podcast called Forget Punishment, How About Kindness? It's podcast number 299. It's when we talked about that prison system in Germany who lets these people who did you know pretty awful things and what their prison life was like. They had doors. They can come in and out whenever they wanted. Um, they really focused on rehabilitation as opposed to retribution. And then the other one was podcast number 224. It was called Equal Justice in Quantum Entanglement. And we discussed uh, Brian Stevenson because Kathy and I went to see, go see Brian Stevenson. And he was just a wonderful speaker, teacher, inspiration. And that's podcast number 224. So, so I want to end with this and um, regarding um, collective assembly. It's one of the last things in uh, Brene's book. And collective assembly is a group of people coming together uh, to to discover the light. And she gives an example of, um, in Harry Potter, you know, you guys, majority of you guys know Harry Potter and remember when Dumbledore is killed. Sorry. I hope you, you know, you've read spoiler alert. (laughs) Sorry. And there's a scene where Harry is bent over his body. He's weeping. And I've, you guys, you guys know, Dumbledore is the headmaster of Hogwarts. He was a father figure, mentor, protector. Um, and in the scene, um, obviously Harry is losing this father figure. Um, and, 
but then a bunch of kids, students, professors gather around Dumbledore and you know who is is reflected in the sky. You can see Voldemort in the sky. He's and, the bad guy. And he's the one responsible for his death too. And Dumbledore, all of Dumbledore's friends and all the students gathered around him, they raise their wand to the sky. And obviously the wand has light. And with all of that burst of light, you can no longer see Voldemort in the sky. Mm, nice. So the constellation of light overcomes the dark, and so the sky is no longer menacing. So collective assembly and being together in a group is essential. And that is why, again, uh, you know, Todd and I do this conference every year, you know, March 2nd and 3rd. The reason we do the conference is because of collective assembly. We can talk uh, on this show and we can, you know, you guys can listen to this podcast and feel good and hopefully you do, but we eventually have to come together. We eventually, there's something that happens in sporting events, in musical events, when you're at a concert, there's something that happens at a conference where something inside of you changes and you feel the connection to strangers and you feel the connection to something greater and bigger and you're no longer distant from people. You realize we're all in this together. So this is why we have the conference and I hope you guys, um, if you know, I hope you come to the conference, but also just other collective assembly opportunities, you know, to be with people because proximity. We're hardwired towards connection. We sure are. And, and proximity decreases our fear. Yeah. The more you're around people, especially people who are different than you, the more you're capable of not being afraid and being more courageous yeah. and realizing these people are just like me. Yep. There's no different. We're, we're all the same. We just... Are, there's some times that we're given information that is false or we decide that because one person did something, that means a whole population is a certain way. And we, you know, we have to question and live in the wilderness. And I want to thank Brene Brown for this book because like all of her books, um, it greatly inspired me, gave me new language, and I highly recommend. Yeah, thanks, Brene. Uh, we, do, we did get some new uh, iTunes reviews that we like to read every now and again. Because it uh, just kind of helps us, Kathy and I, get the word out. So we got one from Karen from Minnesota. And she says, I've learned so much from this podcast. Great for anyone, not just parents. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Practical and insightful, read by Merluke from the USA. I don't have many people around me who are attempting to parent this way. So refreshing. And then lastly, uh, Becca Wheeler. She says it's uplifting and inspiring. And she just has some wonderful feedback regarding uh, some personal finance things that we've shared on the show amongst uh, other things. So, And then I'm going to give this one to you so you can talk a little bit about uh, what, what you have coming up. So in the next couple of weeks, it's October 13th and 14th, there is a Moms Meet Wow Summit in Chicagoland. Um, so basically it's a wow summit. It's a two-day event, inspiration, education, hundreds of moms and mom bloggers. Um, they you know come together. This is Collective Assembly. Uh, it come together in our community and they talk about leading a healthy lifestyle, inspiration, education, all of the above. So Friday, October 13th is blogger day. And I'm actually doing, I'm facilitating a, a panel that day. Um, and we're going to talk about overcoming doubt. So it's going to be pretty interesting. And I think there's four other bloggers on the panel. Um, and then on Saturday, October 14th, that's mom day. And there's a bunch of uh, inspirational speakers, interactive workshops, etc. cetera. Um, so if you uh, go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, and you go to Zen event or click live events. It's on the calendar, and you can go there, um, click on that link, and if you use Zen30 as a promotional code, um, you get 30% off. 
Zen 30. Pretty cool. That is. So um, this is, you know, I'll see you there. If you guys live in Chicagoland and can come, I'll be there Friday morning at 9 a.m. So come see um, so come see us and then obviously come see all the other amazing speakers. Um, again, the Moms Meet Wow Summit, Chicago, October 13th and 14th, 2017. Um, and I did forget one iTunes review from Michelle J in MV from the USA. I don't know where MV is, but it doesn't matter, I guess. She says, boy, I wish I'd found you seven years ago when you started. I'm addicted to ZPR and so grateful for the helpful perspective you bring. So thank you, Michelle. And then don't forget, I am a coach uh, for guys. So guys, if you're out there and you're looking for some support, some guidance, some help, some some cheerleading, some coaching, um, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And uh, we did get one Zen friend, which is something that we have available to anybody who wants to support us getting anybody who wants to get to the conference, to the conference. Um, the way you go right now, we're trying to make it easier for you to get there, but for now you have to go to our uh, zenparentingradio.com conference page. That's uh, zenparentingconference.com, I think. Or you can just go to zenparentingradio.com and you'll find the conference there. And you go to checkout. Even if you're not going to the conference, you can uh, help us get people who can't afford to get there to get there. It's so. a scholarship program. And uh, the person who gave this last week, her last name is Fang, F-E-N-G, and her first name is Guanjun. Oh, thank you. So I don't know how to pronounce that, so I'm not going to try. So Guanjun Fang. It sounds like you did a good job. the closest I can do. And uh, I think that's all I got. You got anything else there, sweetie? Well, I'll end by saying, first of all, again, um, on this day, getting the news that we did, again, thinking about Vegas, um, hopefully it inspires all of us to love louder, um, to come together and to turn our pain into courage rather than resentment and finding out, you know, pointing fingers and making, you know, blaming people and getting into that kind of um, argument instead, what can we do to make change? What can we do to come together? What can we do to love each other? That's, that's where we need to put our energy. And this, these things we talked about today with braving the wilderness and true belonging, these are not easy things. You know, when Brene wrote this book, she, she said, I should have just called this book, um, reasons why you should be annoyed at me or reasons why you should be angry with me. Because, when we bring up these things, and you may feel the same way when Todd and I talk about it on the show, sometimes it triggers us. Like, well, I don't want to think that way, or you're wrong, or what about this? And this is that's what happens. You know, like when someone says something that that provokes us a little bit, it's not to then retaliate, it's to question. You know, when Todd and I do a speaking engagement, we often say, we hope you guys leave a little more confused. And it makes people laugh, but we mean it. Because what confusion does is it makes us think again. And if we don't have confusion, then we're very static about our thinking and we've boxed things away and we're very sure all the time. And sometimes it's okay to not be sure and to be willing to be open to other people's opinions and to be willing to be to listen and be curious and and practice civility with people so we can learn more you know start breaking apart those deeply seated you can't touch kind of opinion and maybe saying i'm open to learning all right um we're speaking at the library a week from Wednesday. Oh, yes. Marital Compassion. It's continuing our compassion series, and we're talking to couples. And, and you don't have to be a couple. You can come individually. So it's not – you don't have to come as a couple. But we are going to be talking about marriage and partnership. Um 
compassion and how to be more connected to each other. Wednesday, October 11th. I believe anybody, even if you're a non-Elmhurst resident, can get in now, right? Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you can now, um, actually on Wednesday, so October 4th, you can register from wherever you live. Um, and uh, that's on our website too under live events. You can just click on the, the box. That's right. So thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah, this is a long one, but a good one. Love to us all. Take care of each other. That's our job. Let's take care of each other. Love yourself. Love the people in your family. Love the world. That's right. Keep trucking. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? Yes. If so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Domish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys on the phone, Skype, or in person. Contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life. If you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. We would love to have you be a part of the tribe. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com, under support us. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for, your, for love your love and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>